This is Ed Cohen, your broadcast host today on Global HR News Radio, coming to you from San Diego, California, and the Seattle area. Our special guest today is uh, Mr. Ali Shami, who's founder and CEO now of FTD Global, and recently retired uh, as a Boeing senior manager of many years in a successful, highly effective career, combining technical and leadership in the Boeing community. Ali Shami has won numerous awards from airline customers and team members. He has extensive experience in working with international customers and in leading initiatives. He has been in the past based internationally in England, in Rome and Milan, and in South Korea. And lots of business travel miles, that's for sure. He's won awards for Global Diversity Change Agent and Diversity Excellence. Specialty is public speaking, as you'll see clearly in just a minute. He also produced audio material that introduces the Lebanese dialect, which is spoken in the streets of Beirut. And the CD and booklets have been sold in all continents. One of his favorite sayings is by the wonderful poet Khalil Gibran, a little knowledge that acts is worth infinitely more than much knowledge that sits idle. Let's say hello and welcome, Ali Shami. Hello, Ed. It's good to, to be with you again. Well, really honored and happy to have you. So, okay, let's talk about diversity and inclusion. Is it good for global business? What do you say? Oh, definitely. I, I feel that diversity, and I'm glad you included the inclusion because diversity by itself, this is a fact that as the world is getting smaller and smaller, the workplace is becoming more diverse. The technology is bringing nations together. So diversity by itself is happening. Definitely in certain areas, it's not there, but with the wisdom and the leadership of the executives of these companies, they're realizing that diversity is important. So they're working towards bringing in different talents, folks from different backgrounds. So, but diversity by itself is not important. It's the inclusion is the part that completes the picture and brings the benefit of diversity. So in order to achieve inclusion, to what extent do you first have to lay the groundwork with training on global mindset development? For the training, I think the most important thing in coming up with a diverse team and environment conducive to openness and inclusion is it starts with the executives. It has to start at the top and their behavior, their messages, how they run business, it sends a very strong message. And that makes the training for the rest of the organization much easier. And so the specific trainings is pretty much about how you deal with differences in opinions and diversity of thought. And so sure, when we talk about diversity, we don't necessarily just talk about how people look different and work which from countries. It's basically the diversity of thought that's driving everything. And it just happened because people who grow up in different countries, they're exposed to different challenges, events, history, things in their life that drive them to think in a certain way that creates that differentiation 
in the thinking process. And so with the leadership, executives at the top having a sincere commitment towards diversity and inclusion, it is prerequisite to reaching any success in organizations. Don't people naturally just feel threatened by somebody different? Yes. I mean, generally when ignorance or being familiar with a person, a situation, the first reaction we as as human beings to feel reluctant into opening up. And so that's a natural behavior. Folks who have never been exposed to different cultures, have never traveled overseas, that's a natural reaction. It's not necessarily it means that people are bad. It's just it's a new thing that they're exposed to. And so their original reaction is, I'm not really sure how to behave. I'd better just not open up and be more involved. And it's the involvement is that piece that takes some courage and curiosity has to be there to be able to break those barriers and eliminate that fear. So you wouldn't call that a global mindset. That's just an expansion of maturity and sophistication, I guess. Yes. And so there are two levels. There's that first level of I'm in an environment that I'm not sure how to interact with others because they look differently, but I have to go to work and I have to work with these people versus the second situation is when you have deliberate decision or intent to be out there, to get out of my state, my country, and be able to go and work in unknown areas and with countries with different cultures. So that requires that global mindset that's beyond just dealing with the situation. The first one is I don't have any other choice. I have to deal with the environment that I'm in. And the other one is I'm happy with the environment that I'm in. I like the people. They're all like me. They think like me. I've been working for this company for a long time. But no, I want to expand my talent and and learn more about the rest of the world and be able to expand my business, sell my products and services overseas. And uh, and that requires additional effort and genuine interest in learning about other cultures and build relationships. So we've been talking about diversity and inclusion as the major thing. And so as, as far as you know, it's working in some respects. Where does it need more attention? Can you put your finger on it? You're absolutely right. Diversity is working in a large number of corporates of the deliberately went and made sure that they bring in folks to their companies from various parts of the country or the world. The piece with the inclusion, I think this is the area that I feel that there is more work is needed. The way diversity is introduced is very, very important not to overdo the us versus them. It's important to point out the differences and appreciate the differences, but not necessarily just for the sake of helping, let's say, you know, minority, to make the minority feel very good in an environment, then you made the majority feel uncomfortable. So it's that balance is very important. When you measure diversity, it's easy to measure diversity at a team and you look at their resumes, where their backgrounds, what schools they went to, which countries. They, it's very easy. You can do the numbers and you can do that. But the metric for inclusion is a little bit harder. 
So the normal metric that we use is how good the minorities feel in an environment. They use that metric a lot. Okay, how do you feel if you're good? Yes, but I think a better metric is to see the majority. How are they supporting that environment? I think it's a better metric to use because it shows that the whole team is working together and you're not helping one folks in one area and at the same time isolating others and feeling that they're not as important. So that's really critical. So all of this relates to organizational decision making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in Boeing, it's a pretty big, it's a huge company. And so there's all kinds of people there throughout the corporation that there's huge numbers of diversity. So how do big companies like that make decisions? The relationship with diversity and decision-making, I saw that when I used to work for Boeing, I saw it at its best when there is leadership, the team have good communication skills, excellent communication skills to be able to resolve issues because with diversity or diversity of thought, there are challenges and it's much easier for a company to have majority feel same way because that speeds up the decision process. It's so much easy to have 10 people in a meeting. They all think the same, grew up in the same area. They have the same perspective about the business and the customers. You will see very little disagreement. But when you bring in diversity, you should be ready to be able to deal with differences. So this is where the communication skills, soft skills is very, very important. At Boeing, I saw a lot of good interaction with each other. The company was deliberate several decades in introducing diversity and inclusion through training, through executives, fully committed to create that environment. And so that helped a lot. And in, in with diversity and having that inclusion piece, it, it led to innovation because, as we know, diversity of thought and inclusion brings out innovation. When you have two people think differently, now I learn a different way of doing it. And maybe we come up instead of two different ways of doing it. Now we have a third way of doing things as a combination of the first and the second. So when you have two ideas that are different and that get discussed, you may come up with the third idea that's totally different. So that's where it brings in the competitive edge to companies. And when diversity, when people, employees are feel included, they're happy. And when we know that happy employees are, equates to happy customers and it's good for business. I saw it also in the company strategically, groups that work with Airline customers mirror the customers' backgrounds. So in, a, in the groups that work with customers, they're also diverse. When you have folks coming in from Africa, when they come in and visit us, they'll see people from the same background where they're from. So they feel very comfortable. They feel that, oh, okay, Boeing, we have folks there. We have ambassadors embedded in that company, and they feel very comfortable. The good thing about the decision-making is the impact of diversity and inclusion on business decision-making is the lack of it is lack of inclusion could be detrimental because the worst thing is people close up and they don't share ideas. So these ideas that are not shared are lost opportunities. That sounds like the company cares and they assign what a coach, a mentor to each unit to 
help the unit's leadership implement this kind of a thing? Yes, yes. Like many other companies in the United States, there is the creation of the affinity groups where specific groups, for, for example, for Asian American employees, where they could gather and talk about the business and also talk about how is the company is doing in Asia. It creates this cohesion and so employees could share with each other their challenges and how they resolve their challenges. But strategically, these folks who, for example, in a, like an affinity group for Asia, they are also, they share their knowledge about Asia with the company to add a little bit more an advantage and share with them about the cultural differences, what is the best way to do business with folks from Asia. For example, I'm from, uh, you know, for Lebanese background. And so when I was in sales, there's that detailed information that I have that I could share with the sales team and with the organization that it's not necessarily that information is not available in the newspaper or watching the news. There are more detailed information there. So if they want to know a little bit more about the country, they can talk with me. I'm in contact with my family back in Lebanon. I have a lot of information things that are going on, like, for example, with the Middle East airline in Beirut. So there's some specific knowledge that only somebody like me who grew up in that country that will be able to come to my company and say, hey, well, let's watch out for this. This is not the right time to go and do a campaign or whatever it is. So we have ambassadors in every company in the United States that are really ambassadors that they can bring in specific knowledge about their country that would help the business. Oh, boy, this is fascinating. So I want to ask you about HFWFS. Yes. And that is not a secret code here. We're not dealing with secrets. <laughs> but this stands for Health, Family, Work, Finance, and strength and spirituality. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? So before you get into that, what is FTD, the name of your company? What is, what's that about? What does FTD really mean to you? So FTD stands for feel, think, and do. Everything we do in life is in pursuit of happiness, right? Whether it's uh, we get up in the morning, what way to help our family. But really, from the time we wake up, we feel that, okay, we're awake, and then we think, and then we get up and we start our day. And throughout the process, we alternate between feeling about something, we think about it, and we do something. And when we do that, when we do something, then we think about what we just did, and we feel whether we feel good or bad, and then we start alternate among those three activities. Sometimes we think about something, and then we have a feeling about what we just thought and as a reaction, we could either do, do something or we don't do anything, which by itself doing nothing is an activity of, of something that, that was not done. So that's what it stands for. But the company itself is uh, the global team. We help U.S. companies find customers across the globe. We are a team that we provide assistance in the form of strategies and tactics through the development process, and also we help the U.S. companies and their working level to be culturally strong 
to ensure trustful and successful execution and completion of ventures and projects. So like a couple of days, I was at a conference and somebody reached out and said, hey, I want to do business in Dubai. We've been trying to reach this company that we feel that will be great customers for us. What is the best way to reach out? And do you have folks that are working there? And of course, my response, absolutely. I have people on site that will be able to help out and facilitate that communication. So that's really our purpose in SFDD Global. So tell me more about your customer base for for FTD. So the customers is, now I mentioned as helping U.S. companies do business overseas, but it could be also the other way around. Sometimes we assist customers to do business in the United States. So whatever the need with companies to facilitate interactions with them, doing business with each other, with the, and adding, introducing specific knowledge about the culture and do's and don'ts. And above that is how to build trust among the customers. People who uh, who need to have added insight or added dimension to what they're now doing because there's a certain technique to do it right. When you're dealing with people of different backgrounds, of different cultures, never mind borders and time zones, it's just ways of doing things, ways of thinking. It sounds like you've got your finger on the pulse of what growing a global mindset is all about these days. Yes, it's that growing global mindset and doing the right things right. Every company want to do the right things. And for example, if you look at starting a project or project management, be able to achieve the objective of a project within time, within schedule, within budget, and the right quality. But those are usually the three factors or the metrics to measure the success of a project. But in a global business, it's not just those three because it's a long-term relationship that companies will do international business. So it's really important, the loyalty and turning satisfied customers into loyal customers. And it's not just for one project, two projects. It's a long-term relationship. So... It's not just those three metrics. It's how passionate or how happy a customer will be to go and start another project with me is more important than be able to, okay, I did one project and I made enough money and it was within budget and that's it. That's not enough. You want customers to be happy to reach out, pull out their checkbook and pay even more than what the competition is charging them just because they built that trust and that relationship is more important, not necessarily just the money aspect of it. You mentioned earlier about health, work, financial health, family, and strength or source. I came to that conclusion, and I'm not the only one in the world, (laughs) but after several years of facilitating discussions with employees and asking, and I always start the discussion with what's really the most important thing in life, And people will put down, they will say, okay, it's the family, it's fun, it's music, it's this and that. And then we will gather all these responses and and it never fails. Every training session or discussion I had with employees, when we go and categorize those responses, they all fall in five specific areas. Health, under health, family and friends, work, the job. There's also the financial health, 
as well as the source. And then I'll ask them, which one do you think is the most important one? Every time I ask that question, we don't 100% agree of how we're going to see which is more important. We come to a conclusion that they're all important. But the majority always say health is very important because if, if our health is not good, our job will be gone, our family and friends will be impacted, our saving accounts will disappear really fast. So that's really the, the important health is goes at the top of the list. And times there is that source or spirituality or where you get strength also comes at the top also. Because when our health is, we're, you know, we're suffering, we lose our job, we have, you know, family are impacted financially, we don't have enough money, where do you go to? You go to that source that will get you, will give you that strength to get over that situation. So that's really, those are the five, in keeping the balance with those five areas, like I personally have specific goals in each of these categories that I look at every day. And I look at these lists and say, okay, on for health, this is, these are the things I need to do. Drink more water, work out, do yoga. I have specific goals in each of these categories. And I, for that specific day, I pick what are the top five things or four things I need to do. So it helps me to keep it in front of me, to keep that balance and not forget about one area and get sucked and by one specific area on the expense of the others. And speaking of balance work, balance life, a lot of people, they say, okay, you have to do that balance. I don't believe that. I don't believe necessarily achieving the balance is key. I think it's important to find out how much load you can carry to heavy items and that will break you. You can balance that situation, but it can really make you suffer. So it's not the matter of balance is, am I lifting enough weight, not too much weight that it's breaking me and it's making me behave, affect my health, affect any of those five things. It doesn't matter if I'm balancing those two weights. The importance is how heavy those weights and what is that doing to me. We're talking with Ali Shami, recently retired senior manager with Boeing. He's in Seattle, and I'm in San Diego. Ali Shami, thank you very much for being my special guest today on Global HR News Radio. Interview and conversation with you has been delightful and very informative. And for our listeners out there, Ali and I are partnering in an event I'm calling Wheels Up. It's a special event at Boeing in the Seattle area at the Future of Flight Museum on a Boeing campus. And that's going to be June 14. And Ali will be talking to the audience about this same topic. And I'm really delighted to have the support of others from, from within Boeing and from the Seattle business community. So thank you, Ali. Thank you, Ed. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And I look forward to seeing you in Seattle in June. Okay. So you take care. And I, again, thank you for being our guest. This is Ed Cohen signing off today from San Diego, and this is Ali. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Ali's in Seattle area. Thank you, and goodbye. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful day.